Welcome back to the Dr. and Solara TMJ and Sleep Center podcast. Today, we're going to focus on what I'm calling step three of the process. And so you've figured out you have the symptoms, you've gone to the TMJ and Sleep Center website, and you've had your complimentary cure consultation. And now you're back at the office for the first step of the next part of your journey, which is the measurement, evaluation, and discussion, as you really try to get in line and identify the first step of the journey, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. It's a series of steps. Um, So the first step might have been the consult cure appointment, like you were alluding to, and the second step would be a TMJ exam. The TMJ exam gives us more... um, documentation of what's going on. So we'll take what they call tomograms of your joint. It's a specific x-ray of your TM joint. And with that, we'll be able to see the location of your the condyle, which is your jawbone, and its relationship to the skull. So that gives us an indication of what's going on. It also tells us if the bone is being, um, let's put it this way, if the bone is not happy, it means the muscle's not happy. Well, what I mean about not happy is there's a certain configuration as to what the condyles are supposed to look like. And when they look bent over or gnarly, kind of, a good word, or uh, spurred, uh, things like this, spurring on condyles is a form of arthritis um, because of the improper jaw position. Now, here's the deal. It's an improper jaw position dictated by the bite. And the bite is dictated by genetic predisposition to that bite that we see in families. So this is a lot of information that people don't realize because they're looking at clicking, popping, they're looking at pain in the joints, but they're not looking at 5,000 times a day opening and closing your jaw in the wrong place. And all these muscles, and this is what I have to tell them at the exam, and we prove it, all these muscles that are attached to the jaw are now dysfunctioning improperly 5,000 times a day, but they're not connected to just the jaw. They're connected to the head, to the collarbone, to the sternum, to your back, to your ribs. So they influence you in a great way, and they also bring your head more forward and hunch your shoulders. And you ever have that? uh, I have a lot of people that come in and say, my mom always told me to sit up straight because I never could. And of course you can't, not if your jaw's dysfunctioning into your posture. You could try, but it won't work because of the multitude of problems this jaw is creating into your posture. And once your head is forward, and we see this so much in five-year-olds, age five up, this is, this is what I see in my office over the last 35 years. And this creates the problem. And you can't create, fix the problem unless you can measure the muscle. And you can't measure the muscle, at least I can't anyway, unless you put somebody on a computer which measures muscle, which is what we do all the time and every time. So our exam then, the first part of that exam is, yes, we're looking at bone, but understand that if the bone is in the wrong place and doesn't look so good, that means muscle is also feeling the effects. And because muscle's not happy, muscle takes it out on bone. So long-term muscle problems or unhappiness creates the osteoarthritis, creates the disc compression, creates the reflux, and I'll get into that. Um, creates the spinal problems that people see, creates one shoulder higher, one leg shorter, because it's over the course of time. So you have to give that element of time. But hey, I my six-year-old, when he was six, had one shoulder decidedly higher and his head decidedly forward. And um, part of it was TMJ because it is in our family. 
But the other problem was TMJ with a breathing problem. And a lot of kids can have this because a breathing problem means with forward head, you're breathing with the top of your chest. So you're dealing with the top of your chest muscles and your throat. You're not dealing with your diaphragm. And then you get habituated to breathing like that. And that reduces your lung volume approximately 30%. So breathing through your chest muscles because your head is forward is not where you want to be. So uh, more indications to that. Uh, The other problem with what we're looking at is we'll get into probably swallowing problems. Do you feel like something is caught in your throat? Do you feel have any problems with swallowing pills or anything like that? Uh, or you might might gag on the gag have a gag reflex that's very sensitive things like this because it's all part of this overload sensory overload of the uh, of the mouth and of the neck shoulders back because of the the influx of stimuli that's not good stimuli so this is what we see so the the patient understandably usually has i've never seen anyone who has heard what i've told them before and it's a question of showing them and making them understand it and making them own it and believe it because like we're talking about this is a step in your journey and that journey uh isn't an instant snap of your fingers and you're going to get better in measurement and getting a full literally photos the x-rays and the measure measurements and the metrics and the numbers of where the person is now correct mm-hmm. and then you can compare them to your years of data and research and start right. start that treatment plan but you got to know where you are and you already know where a, a person who's who's on the mend is going to get so then you can start building the treatment plan to get from a to b yes and we have before and extra exam before before and after examples that we can show the patient as you as you are or as Patients prior to you have come in. We take documentation of everything so you can see befores and afters and and see the treatment through time of these patients that have found a way to be consistent and own their symptoms enough to say they don't need those symptoms anymore. They don't need to mask them with pills or or injections or surgery, uh, things like this that, that don't let you get to the core of what's really wrong, okay? And it can be uh, that X-ray machine you have is really cool with the three-dimensional. Yeah, you probably know the tech. I call it really cool with the three-dimensional stuff, but it that's is. not it's, the technical well, term. Well, yeah, but that's okay because that they'll, you'll understand it. And basically, that X-ray is is one of the things we go over very extensively. Any record yes. I do, I go over with everybody. So that X-ray machine has the ability to make a what they call a facial topography, meaning it'll take a basic picture of your face. Uh, topography, meaning the landscape of your face, if you will. But we also have the bones underneath. So at some point, while you're looking at your face, we'll remove your face. And then we'll see <laughs> what what supports it or what doesn't support it. And we'll go into that because if you think of your face as possibly a tent that needs an eight-foot pole, but maybe you don't have an eight-foot pole in your face, you have a six-foot pole, which means you have sags, sagging lines, uh, pouting lines, um, double chins, things like this, because the muscles are not getting the right position to function. And that's all related to jaw position. And that's all related to how the teeth come together. And as you're getting the x-rays and taking the measurements and then starting to go over it with with the patient, and in this case myself, when, when you can really see like, here's what a healthy uh, jaw looks like. Here's what yours looks like. Now... 
all of the all of the talking and stuff up to this point becomes visual and you're like I can literally see now what my problem is. Right. And we well we try to make it make it happen that way. So I either draw I have a drawing board which I'll use. We have prior x-rays, we have prior study models which we use. So we go through a, a lot of um a lot of befores and afters. So, oh, we also have a, a website with a lot of people who have graduated the TMJ Center. And so it's not like you're the first person that I've ever seen with this problem because there are thousands of you out there with this problem. The only, the only problem with that, with that is that everything you've heard prior is generally something that doesn't get to the root of the problem. It just kind of masks it. And that's not what we do at our, at our uh, center. Yeah, you're not treating the symptoms, you're treating the problem. Muscle is the problem, and position of the jaw is the problem. And then the, the next biggest thing that, that people, physicians, a lot of people don't get is that 5,000 times a day, if you're functioning, is a really powerful entity because it's taking all of the muscles from the jaw and the head and the neck and the shoulders and back and reinforcing the proper position if you're functioning, but if you're not, you're reinforcing the, the wrong position, and that's what makes muscle unhappy. That's what brings your heads forward, and that's what creates all kinds of problems as you go through life. I don't mean as a 10. Well, there's 10-year-olds. My kid at age 6 had plenty of problems at age 6, which we had to resolve. But had we left them like that, I, I would, would, wouldn't want to even think about what would have happened. Um, but the, the most important thing you can put in your body is... Air, you'd be surprised the answers I get. But air. Everybody is, says water, right? They mostly will say water, <laughs> and uh, but but air is the most important. And your body will do anything to get air. Um, in the case of my son, his shoulder was raised and his head was forward, and his and and it actually tilted back to open his windpipe, and that was all because he couldn't breathe through his nose. So the windpipe had to remain open at all costs, even at the cost of creating kind of like a twisted scoliosis type kind body. of a contortion exactly and and so you have to deal with what you're looking at and you have to educate the people that don't understand because when i asked to get his adenoids checked via an endoscope um i had to explain why uh because it was definitely affecting his uh, facial you know what's going how he's going to grow and how he's going to swallow and how he's going to breathe so and he was 95 percent blocked but just because you get an adenoids out and you're not blocked anymore doesn't mean you're using your nose because you're habituated to mouth breathing. So now you have to change that. So there's like a, a retraining the body process. And we had to retrain the breathing. It wasn't that hard to do, but you also have to retrain the swallow because the tongue needs to swallow on the palate, not on the lower jaw. So we don't want the lower jaw getting bigger than the palate. That's what happens when the tongue doesn't go to the right place. So, and in future podcasts, we're going to get into the physical therapy component of the treatment plan. Yeah, that'd plan. be awesome. But that's that's that was kind of a, a, one of the many light bulb moments for me. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm on my back roller and doing my proper stuff and my neck stretches and things like that. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm that I actually use that in my own head. I said, oh, okay, I'm retraining my body to to be in the right place and it's never understand that since you've been five your body's never been in the right place never and your your bite has never been in the right place because it, that's just the way it is so until we can measure and create the right and let's well, I'll just do it slow three-dimensional intraoral means in the mouth positioning with an orthotic which is in which is one on the lower jaw 
which repositions the jaw appropriately. And then you, and here's the other thing people have to understand. If you have an orthotic that is designed by us, you can't just wear it at night. It won't work. Then don't, really, this isn't the place. The you got to eat with it. You've got to eat with it. <laughs> uh, unless you function with it, you can't get better. And that, and that's just the name of the game. I can't, I can't change that. And, uh, you, but after you've orified, you start to feel like, oh, all my teeth touch each other now. That's weird. <laughs> it's funny because your jaw does come forward, and then people go, if I take the orthotic out, well, then uh, my teeth touch in a different way, and my, and my back teeth don't touch. And that's, that is exactly right. Everyone that gets cured, well, I don't know if we should get into that at this point, but the orthotic provides the, the buttress, if you will, for the proper muscle relationship to the, to the face, to the jaw, to, the, to your neck, um, and you have to keep that up. And at some point, we have to replace the orthotic, and that's what we talk about as well. The measurements and the uh, x-rays and uh, the, the stuff that you do at this point in the journey, is it, is it fair to call that your baseline? It is, absolutely. That is your baseline. That is your contingency for why the patient should be here. And, um, for instance, when I put them on the neuromuscular computer and I attach the electrodes so we can read the muscle readings. Again, everything in our office, I'm just going to backtrack, there's nothing in our office that creates pain. So putting you on a computer is only taking information from your muscles so right. we can read it. Right. So, but within the first three scans that we're looking at, I can absolutely prove you dysfunctional <laughs> for as many years as you've been alive because uh, muscle doesn't lie. And then there's, there's another set of six or seven scans that are showing the jaw dysfunction. And then we combine them, muscle and jaw, uh, at the same time and read those scans. And that is a, a very powerful uh, measure because that's the starting point of your function that you've, nev that you've never done. And that's the cool thing about this appointment. When you're at this appointment, you're getting those measurements, and then you're, you're going over with us. Here's what we're doing, and here's where we're comparing this. Here's where you are. Here's where you need to be. Yep. You know, and here's, here's, here's signs that this has been happening for a number of years oh, yeah. and things oh, like totally. that. So, so the whole process, you do a great job of educating the patient on where they are yep. and how they got there. Because then the next phase, next episode of the podcast is fixing that. Yeah, and, and with uh, dentists, if I'm doing in-houses, I tell them, well, you should work backwards because if they do a Panorex, and, well, I guess I shouldn't even go in there, but there's an anatomy discrepancies that you can look at, uh, not the TMJ. Now, the Panorex, the, it's not um, diagnostic for TMJ. Um, the joint isn't. But the coronoid process, which is part of your jaw, you can use that, and you can use the angle of the jaw to uh, understand what's going on with the bite. Um, so you work backwards. So if you've got problem, if you can see that on a Panorex, you can also see that on a scan. So scans that when I ask people to clench on a scan or, or chew or bite or do things, I should see recruitment of muscles and there should be a, a proportion of muscle recruitment. And when they're clenching and the densest muscle of your body, which is arguably your masseter, um, is clenching hard, but I'm getting no reading, that tells you something right. because your body's in a lot of trouble because the accessory muscles are trying to offset what the masseter can't do, and that includes your throat muscles, your head muscles, uh, and it's not unusual for people to suffer pressure behind the eyes and side of the head because that masseter is not working. 
You always, I always go back to that when I'm thinking about stuff is like the moment when you're, when you, the first time I heard you say your jaw works 5,000 times a day, and that's when you're not a loud mouth DJ like myself. Um, then you're like, and think of all the stuff that's around it. And then you're like your ears, your eyes, your sinus, your brain, your neck, your shoulders, like everything's within like an inch to four inches you're from that spot. Know, you're absolutely right. And, and the cranial nerves. Because the cranial nerves come from your brain through your face and in your and all the way down into the rest of your body, so they have to pass through the very, you know, very stuff we're measuring. So it, it's God wouldn't have made the mass the mandible to be the densest bone, or the masseter to be the densest muscle, or your teeth to be the densest structures if He didn't have, a, you know, kind of like a divine plan for it. Because you're going to use it thousands and thousands and times a day, so you have to function with it. Unfortunately, we're in, um, you know, I see a lot of dysfunction because of the jaw's alignment. And there's a lot of uh, questions about that jaw alignment business. But, but it's totally in families. You can walk this back. I walked it back to my family. It's the same thing. Even the great nephews have the same thing that their dads had, you know. So I'm seeing it. And um, uh, it doesn't escape. It's, right. There's, there's, there's a lot going on in that spot in your body. And, and if that's chaos, more chaos ensues. And that's why I, I tell people take like, um, okay, my, uh, wait a minute, I'll get it right. Grandchild, granddaughter. <laughs> it's hard for me to say that I'm used to being uncle Paul. Okay. So this is my granddaughter and my, and my, uh, uh, son called and said, dad, um, Eve is, Eve is, uh, crying every night and she's in pain. And we don't know what to do. And he said, but I suspect it's TMJ. I said, well, Tim, yeah, there's TMJ in the family, of course. So I said, why don't you have Eve stand against the wall? And they, they live in Walden, New York, so it's a little rough. But they did come. Uh, and Eve stood against the wall. I said, take a picture of her. Uh, and I want to see what shoulders higher. And then Christy, that's the wife, she said, her shoulders aren't high. One shoulder isn't higher. I said, yeah, it is. Just take the picture and let me see it. And sure enough, I get the picture back, and Christy goes, oh, my God. And Eve's left shoulder was very high, and her chin was somewhat retreated. And I put, now Eve's 10. I put her on the computer. We designed a, an orthopedic, orthodontic appliance. It's not fixed. It's removable, but you, keep, but you keep it in. And she was fine with it. She ate with it. She did everything with it. All the facial pain and stuff that she was experiencing went away. And now it's our job to make sure the teeth are in the right place. Yeah, you actually hit on that nothing you do in your office is painful. It's like, no, the x-rays and and getting hooked up to the measuring me machines that are doing the measuring and things like that. Um, it, none of that's painful. The biting your lip, the face pain, the head and shoulder pain, knee replacement surgery. Thank you. That stuff's painful. Well, you, you, you definitely have the whole idea. Yeah, and that's that stuff is, is long-term. And unfortunately, and we did talk about this a little bit, long-term for all this stuff, um, and I did mention this before, I worked in uh, nursing homes for nine years, part-time, um, Fridays and Saturdays. So I saw a lot in the state of Wisconsin. And basically, postural problems create wheelchairs because imbalances of, of, of uh, vertigo, uh, things like that, or because your head is forward, you don't have a, a sense of security when you walk because that's a 40-pound bowling ball in front of your body, and so you don't have a lot of leeway if you slip. Slipping at age 20 and slipping at age 60 or 70 are two different animals. Right. So that's why a lot of those people were there, including swallowing, including um, respiration, 
things like this, and, and basically because they can't get out of a chair because of their neck and back pot problems. In one of the great visuals you have about the airway, and I know it, I know some of the people in your office pick on you, is the 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 toilet tissue tubes. It sure costs a lot of money to get them. But, <laughs> but here's here, uh, can they yep. looking? Okay, this is a normal toilet tissue tube. This is what your airway should should look like, and that airway is you know right in front of your skull, so it's right here, and that toilet tissue tube um, has a hyoid bone suspended right in front of it. And that hyoid bone has 20 muscles that connect to it, to this jaw. So if your head is forward and if your jaw is dysfunctioning, those muscles tend to create problems. So this airway tube can become this airway tube. So uh, this is It's a, nearly a figure eight. Yeah, it's kind of— It, it, it goes it, it, from a circle to almost a figure eight. Because everything starts collapsing. So this is the tongue, which retrudes the anterior, the anterior part. And, the, and actually, it's the cervical or neck vertebrae collapsing inward uh, because of the forward head that collapsed the back part. So if you've got this kind of stuff, you, you can't possibly expect to have a, um, a good airway because when you, it, it just doesn't maintain its patency. So what we try to do and what we do do is with an orthotic, those muscles now become more balanced. They're, and posture exercises, they can become more balanced. So we can get more of this kind of an airway so that if a patient needs possibly a sleep appliance or whatever, we can make one optimally, measure it, and make sure that it passes muster with sleep tests so that um, they can go about their business and be uh, and have really no problems. But the other thing is we're not just blowing air through a tube. What we're doing is we're fixing the reason why the tube went from here to here. And that's the big deal. And that's, that's where that forward head comes in. And a sleeping apparatus or a CPAP or whatever that just just through. passes. Which, hey, you, I, I have nothing against that. You need air. You, you, without it, a lot of people wouldn't be around. But, you know. Um, it's a symptom it, thing, right? It's, it's a, Right. We're getting to the cause as to why you needed it. Um, and um, I think I might have gone over this. We had a patient that um, was on a CPAP for six years, and, he, and he, they came to my office because he feels like, Sorry, but this is what he said. Feel like crap. And he's been wearing the CPAP for six years. And he had terrible forward head, and you could see one shoulder's higher. And he was in his late 60s, early 70s. And we explained the program we do here. So can we change what's happening? We can if you're consistent or want to be changed. And through the course of time, took about eight months, uh, Marvin went to, I, I did talk about it here already, and he... Um, he uh, eventually started woodworking again and doing chores for his wife, which made her a lot happier. And he had energy again. Uh, but um, So you can get the air, which I, hey, I'm not against that at all. But the point is the muscles are still not where they ought to be. The head hasn't changed. You haven't done anything to change that um, dynamic and, and the structure of the face dynamic with the jaw positioning. And so, the changing of the muscle, is it, it takes time. And repetition and... And, and you got to be consistent, and that's the journey. And, and so I'm, I just, I explain up front, it's, it's a journey. You have, to, you have to own it. You have to want to get rid of this. Um, and yeah, you, and you can, uh, but you have to be consistent with it. Muscle, muscle requires consistency, and muscle requires range of motion. But you can't get the right range of motion unless you know what it is and can measure for it. And that's why everything we do is measured. So we've we've discovered we have the symptoms. We've gone in for our, our 
consultation, Mm -hmm. and now we're all measured up. In the next episode, we're going to get our first orthotic, and we're going to head towards Yep. To head down the road to treatment. And before we get, we get to that, then the patient meets with one of my ladies, usually Mary, um, who will go over exactly what we talked about and exactly what the protocols are. So everything is spelled out. Codes are spelled out. Everything is spelled out. And it's, it's, it's the patient gets the copy. We get a copy. So there's, there's never a mystery at our place because you know exactly where you're going. That's not necessarily how... All medicine is done, right? The, I guess, but that's how I do it. You know, because you just, here's what you're going to do. What I like about you and how you go about this is you're kind of like, do you agree to do this with me? Because right. if not, I've got other people. <laughs> well, true. And I don't want to make you feel bad by, by you deciding halfway through that maybe you don't want to be consistent. That wouldn't be a good thing. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to create that. I want you to understand. So if you're going to do it, Understand that let's do it together and, and let's let's work it together and let's get you feeling good. And that's what I'm all about. Because if you're hi- hiring me, whatever you want to call it, I want to make you the best you can be. And that's what the office is about. All right. Thank you. In the next episode, we're on our road to the first phase of the treatment. The next step up. Perfect. Thanks, yeah. Dr. Ansara. Thank you.